Welcome in. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chris, your host of the CCA Cal podcast. As promised today, we've got a super exciting guest, Mr. Kevin Nakata, also a CCA state board member. How are you, Kevin? Doing really good. It's a big, big day. Awesome. Awesome. Really good to see you, man. It's good, really good to, see to see you. Me. I'm excited about this. I think that uh, a lot of people are going to get wonderful knowledge drops and uh, not just from me, but your future guests. So I'm excited to be... Am I your first one? Yeah, the very first one. Wow. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for sure. You're definitely one of my favorite people for sure. So, um, you know, people know your name. I know, la- I think it was last year, maybe the year before, um, <laughs> we were kind of famous when you uh, famously caught that yellowtail while we were on Facebook Live. That mm-hmm. was pretty cool. That was cool. Probably one of my favorite moments doing that series. That was that was awesome. It was, uh, I think when we were talking before the podcast started, or the sorry, not the podcast, but the Facebook Live. It was we had maybe a half an hour, right? And I was saying mm-hmm. it's starting to look better and better. And then all of a sudden, I got lucky enough to see this massive school that was just like hungry and wanted to just fly out of the water for the stick bait. But it was it was awesome. Oh, uh, I don't think I've ever seen you get more excited over yellowtail too. <laughs> That's like it every time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a kayak, more or less too. Yeah. Um, Awesome, man. Well, let's let's get started here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you know we all know you from uh, your previous endeavor and Hobie and all that stuff, but you have some really really exciting new stuff going on too, right? Right. So I've moved on from Hobie. When there's nothing bad. I was just uh, I wanted to do something different. I did guiding for. I still technically have the business, but I did that for eleven years and. Uh, see samurai and so i did the guiding on the kayak for a while worked for hobie for nine years um was it was a great experience in the corporate life i can't really say anything bad about it um corporate definitely is interesting though where you have to balance out uh priorities and budgets and you have to make sure that you're keeping people happy and uh certainly being my own business owner i had a had to pull back a little bit myself to make sure i was playing nice um, but had a great time working for Morgan over there in Howie and they're still there and they're going to do great things. And, um, they build amazing products. I can't say enough about a Hobie kayak. I still, still fish off of it and I fished off of it for many years, but now I'm repping. I'm an independent sales rep. I have uh, product lines. I have Savage gear, which is a huge, that was a, a very big blessing in my life. Cause I was like, what am I going to do? And, they came up with the position in this area, and I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I have a huge passion for their products. I know the, per- the person that designs the product. So I was like, this is going to be, this is going to work out, no, no question. I already fished the product. And then uh, as of today, as of this podcast, I have two more product lines. I have War Baits, which I'm really excited about working with Afrin. He's been a wow. re- really good friend of mine for uh, since I started guiding. So him and I were doing fishing missions a long, long time ago, and we've been, always kept in touch, and we've always talked about fishing strategies, and uh, the opportunity came up to us or this morning. So I took on that role, and that's official. Definitely going to be in shops visiting and getting people excited about uh, war baits, and it doesn't really take much because the product speaks for itself. But wow. then I have Submission Fishing Co., which is an up-and-coming slow-pitch jigging company. Uh, that uh, Hamuto is his name. 
and uh, he's super proactive, and uh, he's just a very good fisherman. He started basically slow pitch fishing for spotties and took a, took that and just ran away with it and makes product now, makes slow pitch jigs. So can't wait to get a local guy um, with a brand new technique, a lot of uh, eyes on his product. So from there, wherever it goes next, uh, I'm sure when I'm whenever I'm back on, I'll I'll give you another update. But <laughs> that's as of January 2022. Dude, it, it, you're going to be busy. I think so. <laughs> you're going to be super, super busy. Let's, and fishing still. Oh, so. that, that's the most important part. Still yeah. fishing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More time to fish, actually, with repping. You'd be surprised. Really? Yes. Because huh. now I have an incentive to go and fish the product. i got to go make people believe in it and, make, and believe in it myself. So I've been big bait fishing, like, hard that, the last couple months. That actually brings up my next point. I know I've been following you for a while on social media, on Instagram and all that stuff. And we've been friends too, but you've been fishing quite a bit, obviously with big baits. Yes. Tell us a little bit more. I mean, I know you're a big bait dude to begin with, so. I fished um, bass all my young life. Mm-hmm. And I, I, once I started guiding, I had to take a huge break from it because I had to focus on inshore fishing, which was great, but um, man, I miss bass fishing. And now that I have an incentive to go catch a really big one, I really just, all I want to do is fish a big bait. Like, that's all I want to do is fish a swim bait. It's a weird thing. I've when, Ever since I got connected on the Savage Gear RTF Pulse Tail Trout, like, that's when I got hit on that thing and I landed my first fish off of creeping it, I was like, dude, I'm so, I'm just stuck on this big bait fishing. So I haven't, I haven't fished anything else in freshwater for three months or since October. Mm-hmm. Is that three months? Yeah, that's three yeah, months. So I've been. I don't know. It's just there's something about when you see that fish eat a trout. I was like, going to man. You've been, you've been coming up with some epic fishing, too, and just in the freshwater scene, too, as of late. Yeah, it's been good. Like, there's a lot of people that do it, though, you yeah. know? So yeah. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to claim I'm a big bait guy, but I'm starting to slowly really be addicted to it. And <laughs> I am addicted. I'm not even slow. I'm just like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm ready for like a teenage fish. So right now my goal is to get you above a 13 by um, the end of February. I'm going to say the end. I said mid, but now I'm going to say the end because I think it's going to take me majority of February to get this fish. Mm-hmm. So That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. Going back to Savage Gear though, I know a, quite a while ago, I think actually last summer, I started seeing um, – these max sticks coming up mm-hmm. and them being super attached to yellowtail and, and bass and all that stuff. That's probably like, I haven't fished those yet, but I'm actually really looking forward to doing that this summer for sure. They are an incredible lure for the price. Um, it's a stick bait, but mm-hmm. people that don't fish a stick bait uh, can appreciate this lure because you don't have to work it like a stick bait. Normally, if you saw the Facebook live that we did, right, that we're mm-hmm. talking about, I was sweeping the rod. You don't have to sweep the rod on this lure. You just cast and you burn it as fast as you can. Really? That's it. Huh. And it gets smashed by yellows and calicos and tuna and, um, I mean, any list of things that hit things fast mm-hmm. will absolutely erupt on that lure. But for yellows, that 170, and, and when I go to Cedros, I'm only going to fish the 210, the <laughs> biggest one they make because it's a huge, it's a big fish lure. Guaranteed. Oh like, that's... If you throw the 210, which is essentially eight and a half inches long, <laughs> you're only going to get a big fish to, and they swallow it. Wow. Jeff Mariani was, he's got nothing but good things to say about it. So, huh. wow. 
So um, we're recording in January, and I already want it to be like July when we go to see Joe's. That's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Dalt, what, how was your experience last year? What, what happened? So, you know, with, the, with it being my very first time to see Joe's, it was, I kind of had an idea because hearing from you and, and Wayne and everyone else who had been there year after year after year, it was like I kind of had an expectation completely different in a good way where it was, you know, the, the, the word that we kept coming up with was magical. Mm. Me and Katie always talk about it all the time. Katie Schmidt from, from Seagis Island Fishing Charters. And it, that's just the common word that we come up with is magic. Because you get there, um, not only, you know, now they have the private plane, which is great. So you get an extra half day of fishing. Amazing that you can get there the same day and fish. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. It's that a one hour flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. From TJ. It's it's literally only a one hour flight. And did you see those epic videos that they posted like at yes. the tail end? Yes. The two planes together. Together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine crazy. when there's like twelve people on the island from Cedars Island fish, fishing charters getting there the same day and leaving, you know, all the same route and like it's mm-hmm. man, I can't wait till he starts expanding. I really can't. Like it's gonna oh, be I amazing. Know. I mean, right now, it's, I mean, the whole process, the whole operation, seamless. It's yeah. awesome. Everything's taken care of for you. Having your own room is like, man, it's just so much nicer. That's actually a good point because I, I had, I can't remember what bedroom I was in, but basically there was two beds and it was like one bed. I mean, it's a simple hotel room. Mm-hmm. Just lay out everything for the next day or whatnot. And I go in there at, at the end of every day of fishing and all that stuff and everything, it is literally like a hotel room where everything's all nicely laid out. Um, you know, the two ladies that, that he's at, got at the, that he has at the, uh, at the place, unbelievable, unbelievable food as well. Yes, the food there. Oh man, if you want real Mexican food, oh, they make um, my. I I used to make special requests for birria mm-hmm. with uh, with real chivo. This oh. is the goat, but oh. I don't make that anymore because it's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the most amazing food down there and then if you get halibut the whole, I mean all the fresh fish you're catching if you want to eat it you just got to let people know in advance but like a day in advance you're going to get the best fish meals you've ever had in your life fresh white sea bass if you get it if you want it to halibut whatever you're going to catch you got to go catch it though you know the chicken mole man oh that's yeah that's my gym that Lulu's special oh yeah. yeah yeah that's her specialty oh and the jamaica juice oh yeah can't forget about that yeah, so there was two kids that came on our trip, that my trip last year, uh-huh. and they just were just all over that. The Jamaica. I think she even made horchata one night, but it was just insane. Oh. So, agua frescas, man. You can't beat that. Come on, July. Come on. <laughs> Might have to do it sooner. Just catching them right now. I, you just saw me that, or you showed me that picture. Still catching sea bass. Unbelievable. It's January. I mean, it happens here too, but like, it's probably really happening down there, you know? And he's the man down there. He's a, probably the only boat out there right now fishing. For, I can imagine. for, you know, at least potentially lodge opening in, in winter time and spring. I don't think there's ever a closed season. Just like here, like, if you go to any one of these local places, there's still fish biting. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's not like they just leave. They so, got to eat. Speaking of the fish, I might as well ask you now, baits. I know you're huge into, into swim baits. You're huge into baits in general. What do you, not to try to pry any secrets out, but when you're going down there, for all those that are either going there for the first time or going there again, what do you take down there? So if it depends on what your target is. So if you're going after your biggest calico, I'd say you could probably have multiple um, agendas, by the way. But let's just say for people that are calico junkies, 
I'm not so much one, right? But I, I'll do it, and I like it. Um, I'm more of a yellowtail guy. But if I'm going to go down there, I would just bring the biggest things you've got. That's just it. Like, bring the biggest lures you've got. I know it, it's a lot to ask people to fish, you know, a, let's just say a 10-inch swim bait, which I think is still small for a calico. I do. I think that's tiny. Realistically, in, C- in Cedros, where you have an opportunity to catch multiple seven, eight, just a a number of the average is like a four or five pound fish but if you're going to be fishing for your fish of a lifetime in socal there's no other place you want to go and try catching your your fish of a lifetime but possibly a world record than cedros so fish the biggest things you got 10 inches (laughs) that's that's tiny minimum (laughs) yeah like if i was to tell someone what to bring um, I would tell them to bring like an eight inch dragon tail, which is a Savage Gear product. Like that's a perfect soft bait lure. Like you're going to catch tons of fish. There's plenty of big ones that bite. There's a lot of different species that eat it. It's a really good halibut bait that I, I think it's going to be a really good halibut bait. I haven't actually had enough time with it, but I'll tell you, I've caught some giant calicos locally with it. Nice. Like lots of five and sixes and around here, I think that's pretty good. Another, I caught a seven on it, so... But it was it was pretty sizable and the baits work great. They're a little bit soft, so you got to bring a, a few packs. But there's also other ways you can rig it. So if it gets like bit off in the tail, you just reverse it and you can continue using it. So it's not like a two fish bait. It's like a fifteen fish, realistically speaking. So here's a question: Do you ever fish or dare to fish the air rig down there? Oh yeah, you should bring the air rig. <laughs> Are you gonna do it for your trip? I might. I might. I might as well. I'm strong. I'm still trying to. Get in the because I'd never really fished the A rig before, maybe last year, but it's it's been epic up here. I can only imagine five hooks. Yeah, maybe more if you can, <laughs> dude. I, you will get on some casts. You will load all of them up. Oh my god! You've seen it. You yeah. saw it right where they school up like crazy. Oh, yeah. The same thing up here, but like they're dumb down there. I you know it's it's interesting because the water is so clear down there. But when you're fishing inside the kelp and all that. You literally see the fish competing for your bait. Yes, it's, and right at the boat too. Yeah, you can almost pick and choose which bass you want to catch that that round. Yeah, I'm surprised. I I have to check in on Benny Florentino, but I'm betting he's already brought it down there. If he hasn't, then I don't know what's taking him so long. But yeah, man, that's uh, that place a rig. If you're gonna bring an a rig, just just come with all big baits on the a rig and bring a rod that can actually handle it. The ten inch baits. Yeah, t- all ten inch baits. Maybe a couple eights just just to kind of balance it out. But yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, what about yellowtail? I know Max that's your stick. favorite. Max stick. To, yes, the the Savage Gear Max stick. It is. If you want a really big yellow and you want a really fun way, it's all sight fishing and surface fishing, right? You just fish the biggest Max stick that they make, which is a two ten. It's an eight and a half inch bait. It weighs a lot. Like I think it weighs four ounces or something like that. It's like a, throwing a big swim bait, but throw that bait all trip. A lot of people get discouraged. They go back to their confidence lure, and then you never fish it. You you should when Jeff. I'm assuming he's going to be on a show at some point when Jeff Marini comes on a show and and tells you about the size of the fish he's landed on the Max stick. You're going to want to bring a two ten or at least. At least five, because you'll get broken off on some big ones. You'll lose a lot of big fish. I'm going to put in my order right now. <laughs> 210. Blue and green. That's it. You don't need any of the colors. If you want to just... He says the blue gets bit by bigger fish, I, you know, and he's had some good experience down there. I, I fished the blue. I would say the same thing, but the green is, for me up here, for some reason, the green is just my favorite. Um, 
The 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 170s pretty good. I just if you want like a 40 pound yellowtail on up, you don't throw anything smaller than a 210. Like they don't make anything bigger than a 210 yet, but that's a good bait. <laughs> so you So your key basically is the bigger the bait, the bigger the fish. It's the same concept in any body of water. Mm-hmm. You could be fishing for bluefin tuna, and maybe maybe not so much, right? Because they eat tiny bait too. But if you want the biggest fish, you're gonna fish a big bait. A flying fish, when you're putting it on the surface of the water, eliminates a lot of forty pound fish. It may it may not always. It sometimes gets bit by them, but the the chances of you getting a forty pounder on a flying fish becomes a lot more small versus a 100-pound fish that wants to eat a flying fish. That's a 16-inch lure, or bait, you know? Mm-hmm. Not including the sp- wingspan. So it's, it's, a, it's the same concept in every fishery and every kind of fish. Largemouth is a perfect example, um, but calicos are the same. You've, I'm mm-hmm. sure if you've ever checked a calico stomach, from time to time, I don't know if you keep them or not, but every now and then, you'll see sardines in there, but you'll still you'll see Spanish Macs, and you'll see you know greenbacks in there, and... They're not afraid to eat a big fish. They'll eat a big bait, no problem. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've I've seen it down at Cedros, down Point Loma, wherever, where, like I said, they're competing for the eat. Doesn't really matter how big the bait is. They just want to get it. Mm-hmm. Just want to go after it. And that's that's remarkable. If if you're in the perspective of a fish, when you're in the water and you're looking at the food around you. If you have the opportunity to catch a big fish or big big uh, meal one time versus four meals in a day or a week, what are you going to pick? Even if you had to try just to see if you could do it, wouldn't you want to do it? Yeah, it's true. It's just, there's just no, there's no reason they wouldn't want to try. But you're trying to eliminate small fish is the whole point. You don't want to keep catching small fish because if you're trying to catch an eight-pound calico and you're weeding through four and five-pounders all day, the likelihood that you've passed your bait by a big fish and only gained the attention of that one fish has dramatically dropped because you're getting all the attention of the small fish using a small lure. So it's, that's why big bait guys in freshwater only throw a big bait. It's because they're trying to get one fish to look at their lure, not about 52-pounders. They're trying to get one 10-plus-pound fish to look at that lure. That's actually interesting that you say that. So the last, you know, I'd say probably two years or so, me personally, I, you know, I've, I grew up fishing bait and all that stuff, live bait, sardines, anchovies, you name it. I've actually switched to almost exclusive artificials. Mm-hmm. The jigs, the surface iron. Why? Well, it's not so much that I want to catch a lot of fish. It's more about, it's kind of like what you were saying, trophy hunting going after the bigger fish, the bigger stuff, and trying to really kind of kind of refine a skill set, if that makes sense, where it's like, okay, I've got live bait down. I've got the swim bait down. Let's go after the surface iron. Let's go after the, um, the, the hard baits. I love fishing hard baits. And that's kind of, you know, I, I kind of see the, the correlation between that and you where, you know, you're fishing the big baits where you're going after the big fish only. What would you say? Um, you mean you're talking to a crowd that's been generationally (laughs) raised on live bait fishing and we have easy access to going to grabbing a scoop of bait Mm -hmm. and it's fresh, you know, and it's not always the best, but it can be really amazing bait, right? And it's, Mm -hmm. it's an instant bite if you get on the right thing. I think that me personally, and you, maybe you too, I think the challenge is what makes it more fun. Yeah. 
I think that yeah. because you're having to use your skills and you have to think about things differently and you have to use a different approach, even the positioning of your boat, it becomes a very – you have to really think about how you want to run this bait by fish. I think all that makes it more entertaining versus a live bait fishery. I think you can catch plenty of fish on live bait and you probably will catch more on artificials. There's no doubt. Maybe you'll catch bigger ones on artificials. Who knows? But I do know – that when I catch a big fish on an artificial, I talk about that fish more than I talk about a live bait fish for a long time. That's true. That's just me. That's true. So I go, yeah, I've caught this giant fish off of a artificial. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell you how many. I've caught a lot of squid fish. I've caught a lot of live bait mackerel fish. And I can't remember all of them compared to like that one, you know, stick bait fish or that one, um, you know, yo-yo fish even. Like there's, I, I remember my personal best to this day. It was on a Luna jig. A five, uh, four point five ounce. They had this like little window of like making a mega bait version. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. It was like mm-hmm. a one year thing. Anyways, that was like a that for me. That's my personal best in the Hoya. It was forty three, and it was off of this this jig. And I can remember it. And I've caught a few forties since then, but nothing above that. Mm-hmm. But that was memorable to me, and it was on a artificial. You're you're actually right where, you know, for me over the last two years when I started fishing almost exclusive baits or artificials, I remember almost every surface iron yellowtail I've caught. Right. Whether it's Clemente, Seedress, whatever. And that is true. Where, it, you know, not saying that they're, that those are more memorable and all that stuff, but it took some work. It, fishing jigs takes work for sure. Takes work. And I think that when you, it's gratifying. Yeah. I think you feel like you're, I know it sounds weird, but you feel elite, you know, you feel like you're definitely have, you've got an edge. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's wrong for people to feel a little bit more confident because of that. I think that's what separates a lot of anglers Mm -hmm. is they get that edge. So the, the thing that came to mind is, you know, you almost, if you go on a sport boat nowadays, you see, I'd say probably 60 to 70% of the boat is always at the stern fishing bait. And then you've got those handfuls. That's that's light, dude. Yeah. It's, you're talking 90%. I was going to, okay. Let's, talk 40, let's just do the math really quick. 40% or uh, 40 people, right? Or yeah. let's say 45 just or 50, whatever, 45. 40 people are going to be on the, on the stern True. fishing bait. And there's going to be five max throwing off the bow and they won't be throwing all day. Yeah, depending on the group too. Yep. I've been on boats where I was literally the only one all day. On the bow. On the bow. Just yeah. basically, and everyone would come up to me whenever we're in the galley. Room. Throwing artificial though, because yeah. you'd still be on the bow and throwing live bait, and you'd still be picking off fish a little bit differently. But yeah, exactly, exactly. But it, it, it's absolutely true, and I think that's kind of more or less what I get into it, where it's like I can get in the zone and fish the way I want to fish, and try and go after those trophies. I may not get you know a limit or anything like that for the trip, but I mean, if I catch that one fish on the surface iron that I've been going after then that that's kind of gratifying for me yeah 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 i think that people's perspective on their artificials is uh jaded because they haven't had good luck and they only give it like an hour maybe that would be a lot i think maybe three casts yeah yeah i can see that where it, it takes time it takes many trips as well where if if you put your work into it and if you just solely get committed or be committed to the to the artificial, whether it's a surface iron, a flat fall, whatever, then you know you may get excited over that one bite that you get the whole day, 
and be instantly like that makes your trip. Yes. That's what it does for me. Yeah. For me too. Yeah. Even, even like, uh, in a place like Cedros, which is really special, we don't use any live bait. Like Harley. I don't even remember like the last trip I did use live bait. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even make sense anymore because you get bit too much on live bait. So to reduce the numbers that you're catching to go after something bigger, it makes more sense to use an artificial because you can get a bigger bait. It's hard to get big max over there sometimes. Normally you can get them, but like there's days where you're trying to catch bait over there and it's like, no. Not to mention, I mean, nothing against live bait, but when you go to a place like Cedrus, it takes time to get live bait, to yes. make bait and all that. Hour or two, sacrifice, and that could have been the, the best shot you had at all day at catching the, the real ones, you know? Yeah. You're right. And last year we were kind of under a time constraint every single day where we had to be in by four o'clock or three o'clock or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, those one or two hours making bait that, that could have been the difference. Yep. And it's, and it's the same way here. Mm -hmm. Like guys that are fishing bluefin. Now they don't have to go out and make max all the time on their way out. Some people still do, but like you could just fish a flying fish. They're either come frozen or they come plastic now. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah. No sacrifice on time. So for sure. Well, putting a pin on Cedros, Kevin, I kind of want to know, you kind of alluded to your, your PB a little bit earlier, but what are some of the most memorable fishing stories, fish, you know, fish that you've actually caught, um, artificial live bait, whatever, but what, uh, what are your, some of your personal bests? Mm, I know it's kind of a fresh and question. Salt? Sure. Which one should I start with? Uh, let's start freshwater. So recently, I'm pretty sure I landed my personal best largemouth, but I didn't have a scale. So I know it was huge. It was a, it measured like 25 inches. It was a big one on a swim bait and on an RTF, the, the Savage Gear RTF pulse tail trout, ghost trout, eight inch, small bait still. I'm moving up to the eight, the 10 inch, by the way, seeing what, what eats that. But, um, I saw this fish. I can, I see myself again on the video and I can remember in my head, but I was retrieving steady and I saw the fish just come out off the bottom and like, you know, if you ever watch white sea bass videos and you see them like through the kelp and how they're all slow sometimes and all of a sudden they're just booking it, this thing was booking it. And I've never <laughs> seen a big bass just like look so hungry and it never stopped. It just ate it like 10 feet away from shore, maybe le- maybe a little more, like 20 feet. But I saw the whole thing and I didn't even think that fish was going to eat and it ate. And then I, there was no fun in the fight because they don't fight really unless you get them like deep. But man, this thing was just, it just opened and ate this tenon swim bait like it was a guppy. Wow. Like it was nothing. And at that point, I was like, huh, wow. <laughs> I need to start throwing a 10-inch bait. Like, Speechless. I need a bigger bait because it's just too small. It's too, an 8-inch bait is too small. Mm-hmm. really is. You catch a lot of fish on it, a lot more than you would. But if you're trying to catch above a 10, you got to start throwing some big, big stuff. So... Um, but that was fun. And I, that was recent, like December, the end of the last year, 2021. Well, that's actually kind of interesting that you say that because at least for me, whenever, you know, a day after the trip, two days after the trip, hell, a week after the trip, I kind of play Monday morning quarterback with myself on the fish that either got away or it's like, okay, I, kinda, I probably should have done that over that or whatnot. Do you do the same thing? No. I can't second guess myself because every I, I learn, but I don't ever second guess myself because I know when I did something wrong, mm-hmm. but I just have to get better at not doing that. Perfect. So I don't ever go, ah, oh, I should have done this. What I do is I did that. I won't do that again. 
What about rigging? Like rigging your own baits? Uh, well, it depends on what you're talking about. Oh, that's a whole rabbit hole that we can go yeah, into. Yeah, I won't even touch that this <laughs> one, dude. <laughs> there, Next time. So I've been getting lately into modifying baits. Not okay. rigging baits, but modifying baits. Okay, I good think, word. I think that's... It can go way... You, there's a much deeper rabbit hole than what you just brought up. <laughs> but like, um, I want something different than everyone else. Uh, even if it's the same thing, everyone's, or the, even if something new, like just like this big bait stuff that I've been, I just, it's a newer bait than no one's been really fishing, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe it gives me an edge, but I'm doing something to that bait that's making it better. I'm not going to say what I am, yeah. but it, you guys want to come and see Fair what enough. it is, but <laughs> maybe one day I'll tell, but it's like the bait, I used it out of the package originally, like perfect. And that's how I've gotten all my fish recently, but now I have it dialed in where I want a particular sink rate, I want a particular movement in the bait, I want it to sit on the bottom a certain way, I want the hook to be this far back, uh, I want a stinger, I don't want a stinger, like I have, I want the scent to go a uh, certain, I want it to come out of the tail a certain way. There's just like, I've gotten, I fished it enough to know what I want, right? And so when anyone, anyone can do that, like I'm not special, I just do. I just have put in so much time with this lure that I feel like I know exactly where I want every time I go and get one of these baits. I, some of them are, you know, like I just go, wow, I don't need to do anything. And some I just feel like I want to do something a little extra special. So the perfect example is I saw a trout dying next to the bulrushes the other day, the tulis, and I was like, I want to make a bait that looks like that. And I made one. Like the night of, I was just like, I went to, my girlfriend was super like weird out because I've never been like this. I was like, <laughs> I was like just cutting things and like flying. Things were flying. Got the Dremel tool. I was like, and um, on a mission. On a mission. Then I went to Home Depot at eight thirty. It closed at nine. I like flew, went down there and grabbed some stuff to help me get this thing ready to go for the next day. And then I tested it out. And I was like, my first try, I pretty much nailed it. And now I'm, I feel like I want to catch a fish on that lure that no one's probably fishing. And I'm really excited to like try something new. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get excited about this stuff. Like. <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> yeah. I hope people get excited about it. Like this people, I think in, in the fishing world and in our industry, um, a lot of people have gone to kind of a, an extreme or intensity that I don't think it was meant to be, you know? Um, I think it's a different topic, but like, I mm-hmm. think we're at some of the, some of the stuff that's happening out there is we're, the, the, unfortunately, maybe it's just a next gen thing. I'm not trying to like, I'm just being honest. Sure. I think a lot of people are breeding hate culture and I think it's kind of sucking to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And it's like not the point of fishing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think that people just need to kind of be able to express excitement in a different mm-hmm. way and be okay with how people live their life, you know, versus like just, I don't know. It, it just doesn't make sense. To, I don't, I don't do it. Like I just, I would rather, and at some point, some things I, I'm honest about, but maybe it's, you know, maybe that's what they're doing is just being honest. But I feel like, especially when you're trying to have a community come together, the worst thing possible is to separate it. And I think hate culture is doing that. Unfortunately, a lot of these young kids are being raised coming up and being like, you know, if you're not using this, you suck, right? Or if you're not buying this, you're no good. And I think that's totally wrong. Like there's a bunch of kids 
that can't even afford half the things these like in the swim bait world they're two hundred dollars five hundred dollars eight hundred dollars things you can buy and mm-hmm. some kids can't afford that it's just the bottom line they're gonna spend their entire monthly allowance from their parents if they even get that fishing's a treat you know mm-hmm. some some kids need to have like a five dollar bait and have fun and not get you know not feel like they're part of a lesser crowd you know I, you know, especially with, with 2020, what happened there and all that, with the increase in license sales and, and all that, and just really kind of the boost the whole industry, the fishing community got from that, where you we find a whole lot of new anglers. I think what you said right there is super, super important where, you know, the word inclusive gets brought up where we're super inclusive because you can be anyone and, and still go fishing. Right. Absolutely. You don't need to have a skill set. You don't need to do anything. You really don't even have to have that much money or anything like that and no. still go fishing and enjoy yourself. Absolutely. It can't be an elitist thing. You know, yeah. it can't be like golfing or anything like that. Even, even that has its own culture, right? But mm-hmm. maybe that's not a good example. But you see what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. a, there can't be a price divide based on your elitism in the, in the community. It, mm-hmm. it, it can't be how it goes. It's just... There has to be a reason why you want to be part of it and you should go with it and you shouldn't hate on other people for choosing however they want to live their life and experience things they want to, especially in the fishing community where it's so small. Mm-hmm. Like we are in the industry, you know? Yeah. We know, we know so many people that I would consider my family. Like I can call them, I talk to them every day, whatever. You do too. Mm-hmm. And you're more so in the CCA world. I mean, you have to. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's it, it in California. I think part of the thing that needs to happen for CCA to really succeed is for more people to get on the same page and to really support what they're doing, rather than just sit on the sidelines and expect things to happen for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone could be a cheerleader and a you know re- reside in the peanut gallery too. Right. And you know we could be doing all kinds of great stuff, which we do on you know every year. But, you know, there's always going to be that one dude who doesn't really agree or doesn't really... And that's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, speaking of CCA, you brought it up. You're one of our state board members. And a lifetime member. And a lifetime member. Yep. I actually remember when you signed up as a lifetime member. It yes. was like at a Fred Hall it show. It was at a Fred Hall show. It was the first one that I saw you at for CCA. Yeah. It was like four years ago, three or four years ago. Yeah, something like it that. It was at the Del Mar show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, appreciate it, by the way. No. Well, I, I wanted to support it because I believe in what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And as a younger person, I'm not like exactly the youngest. You know, how old am I? 32? Oh, I'm 32. Okay. God, I still think I'm 31. I'm 31. Oh, yeah? yeah. I'm older than you? Yeah. Uh, but not by much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably younger, younger in spirit than most people feel like. And I feel like I'm 11 every time I wake up in the morning. <laughs> but, um, you know... For me to make that choice was not about monetary. It was about um, the spirit of what it meant. It was mm-hmm. about me expressing that I want to see California succeed as a fishing uh, state. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be um, buried. I don't want to see no fishing signs. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah, I feel like I'm being... Um, uh, I actually do feel like it's discrimination. Honestly, I feel like it's uh, um, it's really just the worst thing to have a community, whether it's a harbor or um, whatever it may be. When they when anytime there's no fishing, I feel like that's that's 
the deep end. I feel like if that's the future, we're in trouble, you know, and it's beginning to get a lot like that. So the more I can do to put out support for fishing in California, the more I want to do. I don't always have the time to do it because I am young. I still have to make money and make a living and I have to do as much as I can while I'm, while I'm still young. Mm-hmm. But the more I can do, if that's monetary, if that's being on a podcast or it's speaking at a seminar or um, giving away products, whatever it may be, the more that I can do as a person and for an entity that I believe in, the better off I feel like the next generation is going to be. Yeah. And I hope people are listening to that, you know? Yeah. Because they should do that too. Absolutely. No matter it- how big or small you are. It's kind of interesting that you say that because I was about to bring it up where, you know, we have, you know, you, me, we've got, you know, almost like the young guard coming in more or less. And, you know, in your opinion, what do you feel the future holds for, you know, I guess us in the industry, fishing in general in in Southern California? Uh, It can be really good, but Mm -hmm. there needs to be a lot more younger people coming into the to the care part of it. They need to take care of their fishery. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about going out there and regulating your water. You know, it's not about that. Like, in fact, if we let um, someone else do that job, maybe we don't have to worry about so much about self-regulation. You know, like that's that should be on everyone to do their own research, to be their own um, warden. You know, mm-hmm. I think self-policing is a big thing. I also think that uh, getting uh, fishing to be a lot more exciting and fun is a big part of it. So take, you know, yeah, there's a lot of YouTubers out there and they want to share their life. Like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I'm not such big on that for myself, but like, I love watching that. Mm-hmm. There's guys that get jacked up on on the sport of fishing. There's kids that want to go out there. I, I keep talking about kids because that's really important. Mm-hmm. We, we have to get more kids to be excited about fishing rather than being like, you know, I, I get Instagram and social media and YouTube is like a big threat to the old way. But we need to get over that because that's what kids are interested in. Mm-hmm. It may not be us, but it's like 16-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 8-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Like they always have YouTube heroes. And yeah, like they, you know, whatever the drama might be behind it, like just picking one thing, spot burning, whatever that might be. Yeah, like we all need to get over this. Like it's, it's already here. So let's build up on supporting our, our kids. Like they need to be excited. Like, yeah, they have a YouTube hero. Like, go out and meet them. Mm-hmm. Go and explore what that community is. Roman's a perfect example. Like, he's got a cult following. He's got <laughs> kids. He's got yeah. all these people that, like, he, he has built a kayak community that really supports having fun and no drama. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see how much positivity comes out of there. And kids want to be a part of it. And when they get into it, it's not like... There, there immediately is no drama built. It's like, okay, how do I catch fish? Mm-hmm. And that is like, whoa, that kid would have never had that if he watched someone or talked to someone else who wasn't as excited about fishing, you know, and, and didn't ex- give him education, didn't explain to him like, hey, man, yeah, this is how you fish off a kayak. Like, this is how you fish offshore. Roman's a good dude. I like him. Yeah. He's, he's built quite a bit of a, not only a following, but almost like a community too. It is a community. Where, He's got the largest community, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, when you've got the old timers in, you know, sorry, Cat and Dan, uh, but you've got him, you've got Brian from Coolbaits, I think. Yeah. And you've got, you know, I think there was even, you know, I remember stories of 
you know, 12, 13 year old kids in the group too. Right. Where you've got a mixture of everything. And that's awesome. Yep. It really is. And there's plenty of other podcasts too, like mm-hmm. Nick too, Cast and Crank, like yeah. all these guys that are getting people involved are so they're so stoked. Like some people are on there, they're like just like, yeah, I love fishing. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the details of how they love fishing. And mm-hmm. that is what's fun to me. Like I think people maybe um maybe they get like kind of out uh Maybe they feel like there's um, some kind of balance that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of just like, I don't know what it is, but man, it's just, there's no balance in fishing, man. So you're all in once you're in it. That's true. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, you know, there's been quite a few of, um, you know, those newbies that we talked about earlier who are just dabbling into fishing, trying to get into it. And I'm like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Because, you know, years down the road and, you know, you look at me and I'm like, I'm fully entrenched in it. And so are you. We need that. Yeah. We sure. need more people like like that are willing to step out of their comfort zone and fish more mm-hmm. and support their community and to be part of it. And I'm I'm actually, you know, I'll just tell you my like guilty conscience. Um, when I was with Hobie, and not to say that it wasn't the worst thing in my life, but I definitely it took away a lot of my community like outreach mm-hmm. and to be able to go and talk to people that regularly fish in the local waters and like to be able to, to just ask them how fishing was like, I wasn't fishing enough and I wasn't out there doing enough because I was doing a nine to five or mm-hmm. eight to five, but mm-hmm. um, I just didn't have enough time to fish locally. And that was like an eye opening thing after I started to like do the independent repping. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, there's a lot of cool things to do in California as far as fishing and to like the communities around and to meet people. Um, and it's, it's really changed my perspective and I hope mm-hmm. to be more involved. I think it's going to take time. I'm not trying to just like, I'm not trying to be a hero or anything like that. All I want to do is I just want to learn more. Mm-hmm. That's every day I go out there. I'm like, yeah, whether it's meeting someone or, Going into a shop or fishing is that that body of water I always fish or whatever it may be I always want to learn. Mm-hmm. And you're not really afraid to you know ask the questions and like no one should. No, that's mm-hmm. that that's great if they if people ask questions that means they want to do something more. Mm-hmm. That they have an true. interest and then you shouldn't be you should be fostering that interest as much as you can. Like I'm not going to tell you where I'm fishing. Yeah, <laughs> I'll blow away all. There's this. a limit. <laughs> There's a limit. I mean, you have yeah. to. At, at some point, people have to understand. Yes, there is a border of asking maybe too much for that person's comfort zone, mm-hmm. and they should respect that. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be a way. It shouldn't be something that 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 that, that totally destroys your trust in that person, or it shouldn't be a distrust in the sport. That is protection for someone's time on the water. Mm-hmm. That they their investment in their time, their investment in discovery. It's time is money, and eventually, when you start catching fish and you're doing better than anyone else, yeah, it's probably something that they want to, you know, try their best to not expose too much until it's time. Mm-hmm. There's so, a balance there for sure. Maybe that's the one balance there in fishing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, to kind of give credit where credit's due, you know, the, the, the young people that I come across nowadays, especially when it comes to the Groms, the guys, the, um, I forget what the term is that, that use, but the guys who go pound the docks, who go fish the bays and all that stuff, especially when it comes to the bass fishery, 
Um, you know, there's that, there's, you know, Mr. Greg Garfinkel who picked up that brand slow to gross to let them go, mm-hmm. um, just in the last year or so, um, which developed that whole coastal social tournament that we have in April and September, um, with AFCO. I think nowadays you see, at least for me, my, my perspective, you see a lot of the Groms actually respecting the bass and really not keeping anything, not really harvesting. They're going out for the fun of catching bass like we what we all do right which is awesome they care about the fishery mm-hmm. it's a totally new thing a great example of that for it, sure it is new mm-hmm. not a lot of people understood that taking out five fish you know limits every day eventually might damage the, the fishery you have to kind of and and honestly self-policing going back to that was um there was this sheephead threat um i think we're still in it really Mm-hmm. Always, I don't think there's never a threat of a fish getting um, a fish uh, a fishery getting um, moratoriums or limitations or extensions on seasons or whatever it might be. There's never not a threat of that, and people should be wary of that. Mm-hmm. We live in a state that's a little bit more self conscious about that, you know, and wants to make sure that there's a future. I don't think it's not. I don't. Th- I think there's definitely a bit of a, a overstepping the bounds. I think a lot of people need to speak up about it for sure. But um, that was great to see everyone kind of go, hey, Mm -hmm. maybe we should slow down a little bit. Yeah, Maybe we shouldn't constantly post about the sheephead that we're catching. Maybe we shouldn't be catching and keeping this many every day. I think that was great. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the people that are watching, the, the, the people that make a difference, like the DFG, um, CDF, uh, C, uh, CDFW, is that what they formally yeah. go by now? Yep. I hope they would just watch this and know that we take care of the fish. I don't think it's anyone else that's taking care of the fish compared to the community that actually uses the resource. Yeah. I mean, fishermen are the original conservationists. And, you know, I think that was a great example because back, you know, I don't know, for me, you saw 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, where you see, you know, not to pick on them, but you see get the guys on the sport boats and all that stuff. Don't really care about anything. They just want to basically go out, load up, and come back. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you brought up the sheephead idea. I started seeing way more sport boat captains, especially the young ones too, basically come out and say, hey, let's cool off a little bit. Yeah. Hey, do you, have to, do you have to kill that one? Or, you know, maybe keep one, but then we'll really sell them. That actually says a lot about the whole industry and about the next generation coming up too. Absolutely, it, it is. Um, it's it's a new time. It really is. People mm-hmm. are starting to think things a little differently. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that we needed to. It was to say that it's beneficial. Yeah, it's beneficial. It's not. It's nothing against the fish. The fish will be fine. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a way. They're going to find a way. There's plenty of sheephead in the waters. It's not like there's a problem with that. There's plenty mm-hmm. of calicos. Look at how the resurgence has happened just on the minimum size limit being increased. There's so many other ways to get around the whole concept of conservation or go, get into it, not around, but into it. Um, that I think that's that we all see that. We all learned. It's not like we should be. Uh, at the same time, some of these things were negative because it. Let's just, per perfect example, limit, limiting places you go fish. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope we never go through this again. You know, I hope that the 330, I think that if AB 330 eventually just becomes a, a back burner thing, great. But, like, 
we're all facing like more and more restrictions and the more you can self police, the better. Um, there's just a bottom line is we're, uh, in a state that wants to take care of the fishery a different way and they're not hearing it from us enough. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that gets lost is conservation, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's not, it's the way, it's the mechanism that you actually try to achieve it where, you know, you can shut off a certain area or you can shut off a certain range or, or whatnot, but you're shutting it, locking it and throwing away the key. Well, that's not necessarily the right way to do that. It's more or less by management. management. We've, we've got plenty of resources, great resources at, over at PFMC, Fishing Game Commission and all that that have processes already in place to take care of each different fishery too. Right. And, and I think one day when you go down the road of continuing this podcast, you should have someone explain to them how um, a lot of those committee meetings go. Mm-hmm. I think you should explain that to people because I think it's in the dark. A lot yeah. of it is, but you should, it, people should know how they're, um, the committees are selected and who's on them and who the commissions, who gets to be having a say, wh- who's representing that, per- that part of the community. Like, you know, I think you should really tell people how that goes. It shouldn't be behind closed doors anymore, mm-hmm. um, you know. And you know, it's it, it's not terribly difficult to follow, and it's usually always open to the public too. Most it, usually, are. Yeah, usually, yeah. <laughs> I say usually, yeah. <laughs> but it's not that difficult to get involved to go listen in on a government meeting and and all that. It's just taking the time to do it and right. to want to do it too. Yep, and and like I said before, time is money. A lot mm-hmm. of people have to get, especially lawyers or politicians that are involved there, they have a lot of them on their plate. So if mm-hmm. it's an hour-long plus committee me- meeting, it's like, okay, it's going to have to be taken very seriously or whatever, how long it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, moving into the future, what's in store for Mr. Kevin Nakata? What, uh, what are you going to be up to in 2022? I'm going to be guiding at Cedros Island Fishing Charters with Jeff. Um, he will be... Um, he will still be present, but I will be on the island. I will be guiding. That's awesome. I'm going to go look for fish. I'm going to look for different things and possibly some new stuff and more, more than likely some new stuff. I have definitely explored the island a little bit more in the last four years than I did before. Um, and there's a lot. There's just so much you can do. It's so amazing. Um, without being there and showing people yet i'm gonna show people what i'm talking about uh when i get to the island on the first trip i'm gonna i've done if they follow my old uh profile which is sea samurai they they would have found some of the things i've done Mm -hmm. but uh my new fishing or my instagram now is um fishing underscore rep and that's kind of me like uh showing new lures and all this other stuff but the bottom line is i want to show people like what is there at the island Mm -hmm. there's some amazing there's World records everywhere. I've seen it. I mean, Jeff's caught one. Yeah. He caught the world record, all tackle, world record, broomtail grouper, 108 pounds on a kayak. Oh, my god! On a surf, kicker 25 with 35-pound floor on a Komodo. <laughs> yeah. It happens. all. Yeah. It's probably all the time there. I don't know about world record yellow, but definitely there's some big ones. But there's some other world record stuff there. Speaking of those yellows, they're mean. 
They yeah. are grumpy. Come with at least 80 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Next yeah. year when you come with on, if I'm the, I'll be there for most trips. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to go with anything less than 60 when you're targeting yellows, mm-hmm. especially throwing bigger lures. Like you're going to, if you hook a 40 to 50 pounder and you're not ready and you're in 10 feet of water, you're going to regret not having 80 tied on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wow. That's, that's unreal. So you're going to be down there almost full time. I would say so. That's awesome. He said 20 weeks. I, right now I'm counting about, uh, I haven't really dove in with him, but we're looking, I'm looking at like 82 right now. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for more than a hundred. I'd love to spend more than a hundred days down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I would. I think that the season's already too short. I think there's more than enough fishery to handle, fish to handle a whole year, 12 month fishery. I, there's, there's always something biting down there and there's something that intrigues someone and, um, you'll see, you know. I you can talk it up all day until you start showing people what you mean. I'm not sure if he picked a better dude to to basically be down there almost full time. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think there's definitely a lot of people that could do a great job. Certainly, but I've I've been there with Jeff. That's mm-hmm. been my thing. I I've been there since the beginning with him. Mm-hmm. Really, so I mean, I went down there for the first time last year and got to fish with Jeff for one day. The dude's a savage. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 there's really no way of else or no other way of putting it. it. The dude is a savage. He's fishing every minute of every second of the mm-hmm. whole day you're fishing down there and making sure you're going to fish, obviously. But mm-hmm. the, there's so much fish down there. All you need him to do is just be like, there, cast. Or, you know, after one day of your first day when you fly in, mm-hmm. your, your skiff day, your ponga day, you're going to know exactly what you need to do the rest of the trip. Mm-hmm. It takes... It takes six hours to learn what you need to do. Yeah. And then you're good. That's but, actually a good point because now with the new, with the plane and all that stuff, you can almost get out all of the kinks that very first half day. You should be. Yeah. You should be making all your mistakes on the day that it's probably going to matter least, the yeah. least amount of time. Yeah. And then every day after that, it should be like, I'm going to catch my personal best. I'm going to target this thing. I'm going to, whatever your goal is, focus. Mm-hmm. And don't lose the focus. You're if you've ever wanted to fish a place where you wanted to do what you wanted, you'd go there and you do what you want to do, how you want to do it, and you do it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever go in, go down there with almost kind of like a checklist of what you want to accomplish or what kind of? No, you can't do that there because it's always so different. Mm-hmm. Even every day is different. Like you'll get a weather side or weather to change direction and the other side of the, lake, the island completely explodes with life and you're like, I have no idea what I'm going to do today, but I'm going to try this. <laughs> that is true. You kind of have to give or take what it gives you. Yeah. And it gives you a whole lot sometimes. It is a very, I think a lot of people that fish the Channel Islands would probably understand. I yeah. think they'd vibe with it because it's always different. Squid beds change, you know, weekly, monthly, whatever, and that's a part of their fishery. And I just think that the strategically, it's hard to always go like I'm going to go this place, I'm going to fish this lure, I'm going to fish this depth. I don't think you can do that every day. You can do it probably a couple of days straight, but you're going to need a change eventually because even day time to time of day, it always everything matters. There's a, whether there's a tie that makes it happen. Uh, a moon phase like i don't not so big on those two things but like mm-hmm. just any weather thing really messes fish up or changes it and you've got to know how to change up adapt um it might be a struggle for two hours a whole half a day but when it happens it's going to happen again and you're going to be like okay i've got it i've re- i've recaptured 
what that bite was or bite is today. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I, I know what I'm going to use, but I don't know how I'm going to approach it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Before we get off topic on Cedros, really important question. How many tortillas do you come back home with? Oh, <laughs> one. Well, if, if I'm going every day, every week now. True. <laughs> um, no, yeah. <laughs> I go with one. My I come on with one maize, and okay. and then uh, oh man, I forgot uh, flour. Dang it, my girlfriend's <laughs> gonna kill me. I come with one set of flour. It's gonna come to me. But anyways, yeah, I come back with at least one of each. The corn is amazing. But did you ever have the flour? Oh. It's butter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My, my girlfriend's totally going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm. So one more time, Kevin. You're full-time repping. Full-time. Full-time. Full I Let visit us... shops. Nice, nice. Let us know about your brands again. Savage Gear. Savage Gear is my first one. They mm-hmm. took, I took a, you know, we both took a step out there for each other. I feel like I've always known those guys, so I give them a lot of credit for letting me be there. Um, so Savage Gear War Baits is my new one. I'm, I've been with Afrin. I've known him. I we've talked. We've fished together. Um, like man, I'm excited about War Baits. That's that's been today. You know mm-hmm. that's happened. He's um, a cool dude. Oh I like man, I love his product. Yeah, man, I just love I just love the look. I feel like it's um, if he went. I think I, I've always told him like red fishing. Mm-hmm. His product would just explode because that weedless style of head with that look and everything, it's just marketable. And he's got a great structure to his to the marketability of his product. The packaging's great. Mm-hmm. Anyways, great product. So I'm excited about that. Um, submission fishing. So that's going to be a new one that no one's heard about after the until after this part. Well, not no one, but mm-hmm. it's exploding, I should say. It's uh, a very unique product. This person, Muto, has made slow pitch jigs. Um, and he's going to really bring in a new side of that, uh, vertical fishing. That's, that's not a, um, a locally made product yet. So I'm excited to see his, his, uh, concepts behind something that was originally Japanese and really change how that, um, that fishery is made over here. You know, you can get uh, a number of baits that do a slow pitch style fall, but the way he makes his baits, I think, totally changes the person. It's like the it's like the iron days. Mm-hmm. It's like going back to when surface irons, you know, were becoming the latest greatest thing. I don't even know what that was like because I wasn't born. But <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine what that that um, rush to that was is like, you know. And I think we're reliving that with so many different products over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one that's going to be up and coming are these giant bluefin jigs, like. Everyone's stuck on this one style of thing, but like how the fish eat a lot of other things than just a glow in the dark piece of, of lead. Mm-hmm. So, who's going to make the next great thing? I'm sure it's going to be one of the things I'm hustling, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, that's a good point because it seems like almost every single year there's something that come, that just busts on the scene. I remember when the flat fall came out. Yeah. And that was just, that was the only way you had to fish and it was super, super successful. With like a 160 to like a 200, there wasn't mm-hmm. anything pushing that. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing guys fish 600 gram slow pitch jigs oh. on noodle rods. Do you imagine? No, <laughs> man. It's like if you, if like those guys are really front, they're on the frontier, they were way mm-hmm. ahead of the times. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people kind of like go, no, that's not going to work. That's because they're always used to the, the thing that always catches fish mm-hmm. until 
you get the one guy or the one community that goes, nope, watch me. <laughs> and then they change it. Yeah. Same thing with the swim bait culture. Always, no one thought a trout swim bait would catch a 10-pound bass until they saw videos of it 10 years later. They're going, wow, I missed out on that bite. Mm. I have to follow through with everyone else throwing it with me. Yeah. So, you know, I think that uh, a lot of these companies that I'm repping have that. They have something about them. They're trying to find something new and exciting. Uh, maybe Warbeats is established. So, mm-hmm. but he makes spinner baits I and mean, he makes yeah. all sorts of stuff. So it's really cool to like be part of something that's up and coming rather than established. In my opinion, I'd rather grow than to um, be established. I like to, mm-hmm. I like to invest my time. I like to invest my, my spirit, you know? Yeah. That makes sense for sure. Yeah. And then obviously you're going to be guiding too a little bit. Uh, I don't know about locally. Okay. I think I'm going to, I've been dodging this in my head very long, whether I'm going to continue to even offer that website, whether I'm going to do, and at this point I might as well just be like, I don't have enough time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like I've evolved in my, um, I've evolved enough and, and really, I won't say made it, but I've gotten to the point where I maybe don't need to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love it cause I love putting people on fish, but I have a new place to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about Cedros because, dang, like, struggle was real sometimes in LJ and other places too, like Dana. But, like, um, man, you go to Cedros and it's just magic. Like you said, it's just so untapped. It's crazy. You can go there and you're going to put people on 50 calicos in a day and it's going to be like, wow, that was a banner day for me. Mm-hmm. You have days with 200 calicos plus. Like, there's going to be weird stuff. There's going to be white sea bass runs and halibut bites and yellowtail stupidity as usual but um yeah it's not like struggling which was the struggle was i struggled some days in la jolla uh-huh. you know so i uh i for one am super jealous you get to go down to cedros for however many days that's going to be super <laughs> super awesome and i'm looking forward to those pictures on instagram too yeah yeah i'll show some good stuff i think people are gonna get jacked up i just i only want i just i want the instagram to be the exciting part of it and to show people what's there mm-hmm. and 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 cross promoting obviously there's a there's a added benefit of me being there and showing what works in the product lines i offer and rep for i'll still be doing that so yeah. i think that um it serves a dual purpose and selfishly i think that that is one i will admit to that right i mean mm-hmm. i'm gonna there's there's a way for me to build upon the professionalism of, of what I'm doing with the added benefit of being there and supporting Jeff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's I'm just being honest with people, you know. That's that is what I'm gonna try to do. I think that uh I'm just I'm super amped. Like when do we get there? Mm-hmm. Why don't you have a February trip, man? I know. <laughs> I know. Next year. Maybe we'll talk next year. I was gonna say text Jeff right now because I am totally in. You just saw what ha- is happening. He <laughs> yeah. said we had a conversation before he went down, and he's like, "Yeah," and he and I were both like, "We need to have a winter season down there. Like, it's mm-hmm. there's so much fishery down there. It's and probably no one's out there." Yeah, so. it well, you said it perfectly. Untouched, untouched. For six months out of the year, almost. Is is that what it is? Yeah, maybe even more actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like July, June. People have gotten accustomed to maybe earliest is May, and then the latest okay. is November. Yeah. So is that six months? About six months, yeah. Yeah, yeah six months. more or less. Big bait time, though. Now I can go fish a big swim bait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, that's a perfect send off. Kevin, how do we get a hold of you? How do we uh, get in touch with you for Savage Gear, for your personal rep grip? How do we get in touch with you? If you want to get in touch for me for product uh, promotion and repping, just reach out to me on the. I, you can de- my information is pretty open on Instagram. There's an email spot. Like, just send me a, a hit me up with any message anyway. I will probably be whoever is needing that stuff. I will probably be at your front door because I'm proactive and looking for things to do and people to promote and things I believe in. So it's not like I'm not going to be short of doing that. Uh, but if you're interested, they can contact me. Um, Instagram's a great way. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just keep it at that because I don't want to keep. I don't want to burden myself with taking on too much open contacts. Uh, but that's a great way to funnel it right there. Um, otherwise, I'll see you on Cedros. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the two goodness. ways you can get to me, and and my Instagram is fishing underscore rep because I'm a fishing rep, I'm not a sales <laughs> rep. I'm a fishing rep. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Kevin, I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Right on. Appreciate it. Yep. Go support CCA, guys. Yep. Big, big yep. one. Hopefully, you'll be uh, around a little while well, before you go to Cedros. Hopefully, you'll be on the podcast again here shortly. Well, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, that's about it for time. Uh, once again, don't forget ccacalifornia.org. ccacalifornia.org. Become a member for $35 a year. Um, at joincca.org. Find us on social media at Coastal Conservation Association of California on Facebook and Instagram at CCA California. Um, That's all the time we have. Thank you so much, guys, and we will see you next week.